This is an Ion Annapolis bonus podcast. We're down here at the Lighthouse, and I want to qualify that this is not the Thomas Point Lighthouse at this time. We are here at the Lighthouse, which is our Homeless Resource Center. Would that be the proper name? I mean, Homeless Shelter, Homeless Resource Center here in Annapolis with Joanne Matson, who is the Executive Director, correct? Correct. I got the I got the title right? You got the title exactly right. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time today. And we wanted to come down and talk to you about the Lighthouse mm-hmm. and everything that you are doing and have done for the community for, I'll let you tell me how many years it's been. It's been a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, the Lighthouse is definitely a grassroots organization, definitely down home Annapolis, Anne Arundel County. We, um, we've been around for more than 30 years now. I credit the uh, genesis of the Lighthouse to St. Anne's Church who in the late 80s opened up the doors of their church to people experiencing homelessness, primarily on West Street in that area. And so what happened was some members of their church got together and and um, saw the need, so let people who were experiencing homelessness come into their church. They literally slept in the pews in uh, St. Anne's, and, and folks stayed with them, um, gave them sandwiches and coffee and just talked to them. And I'm pleased to say that some of those original volunteers are still volunteering at the Lighthouse now at 10 Hudson Street. So it's kind of amazing. So from that humble but significant beginning, St. Anne's brought together some other area churches and they started something called Annapolis Area Ministries. So originally, I think there were about 12 um, churches involved in that, kind of like 12 disciples. And then they were able, with the help of the city and the state, Mike Bush was a big helper to us to help us acquire uh, the building on 202 West Street which was the first shelter site. And that's where we had, um, it was pretty rudimentary. We had a place where people could come and walk up and get bagged lunches. And we also had cots for up to 15 people to stay for the night. And then about 2010, we were able to, again, with the help most significantly from, I think, the Friends of the Lighthouse. They were hugely helpful with this. And that's, um, that's a foundation. It's a separate 501c3. It's called Friends of the Lighthouse, and their sole job is to fundraise for the Lighthouse. So they're wonderful. As, Run as events. Sort of like and, the Library Foundation or Friends of Quiet Waters Park. Correct. That, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So with their help, we were able to build this 24,000 square foot facility here on 10 Hudson Street. Um, here we're able to house 45 single people, 30 single men, 15 single women, provide emergency shelter for them. And then we also here at 10 Hudson Street have four apartments for families. The average stay at the Lighthouse for singles is about 90 days. For families, it's a little longer. Helping someone leave a situation of homelessness can take some time, as you can imagine. Um, So that's what we do here in terms of a resident, we call that our residential program. Early on, we realized that, well, we knew all along that in order to have um, sustainable housing, you needed a job, you needed employment that would be able to make a living. So we started an employment training program we call BEST, Building Employment Success Training, and that still exists putting to this day. Putting out wonderful chefs, I know. Putting out wonderful chefs and people in the hospitality industry and folks who uh, are working to custodial services and all kinds of jobs, and we've really expanded to to go all over the place. And we've got, at this point, um, over 400 graduates of our program. It's, I want to interrupt you on the graduates of the program. There was one that I just surreptitiously ended up following. It wasn't planned or anything mm-hmm. like that. I remember seeing him graduate from one of the best programs. I did come to see the graduation. Fast forward a year and a half later or whatever it was, he was working at 
the Lighthouse Bistro. Um, ah. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's, and he says, yeah, it was the greatest thing for me and so on and so forth. I went back to the Bistro a month and a half later. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he's gone. I'm like, oh. I ended up going to Chewy's over at the Festival at Reba. Okay. Not Chewy's. Is it Chewy? Yeah, it was Chewy's. It was a, a Mexican restaurant that didn't okay. last too long. Okay. And he was like an assistant manager there. Wow. Well, and, that's the goal. And, and I was yeah. like, this is great. You know, unfortunately, mm-hmm. they're not in business or they're not here anymore. So, I mean, hopefully, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that somebody that has gotten to the point of an assistant manager is able to land on their feet someplace. But that was just such a testament in my own mm-hmm. mind mm-hmm. to see, okay, here is somebody that prior to me, even knowing that he existed, mm-hmm. was suffering from homelessness. Mm-hmm. And in a, in a matter of, you know, two and a half years had just really, you know, kicked it to the curb and moved right on. That's wonderful. Those are our favorite stories. So you mentioned the Bistro. That's the, the restaurant that we have, 50-seat restaurant at the site of the old shelter. That whole building has been renovated. And That wasn't renovated. That was pretty much... Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you've got like four bricks from the old building. Well, we had to keep um, we had to keep like two of the walls for the historical it's a society. Hole, right, right. Yeah, so you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it is very changed. So, um, but anyway, it's beautiful. And if you go in there, you can ask to see the seats. The chairs um, are all from old Naval Academy classroom chairs. I don't know if you saw that. If you sit mm-hmm. down, there's yep. a little spot for the lids underneath. Yep. Um, not the most comfortable chairs in the world, but very you know significant to those of us from Annapolis. Gets people out so you can change there over the go. tables. Get more. <laughs> but one um, one of the tables has a pew that's from St. Anne's Church. It's from that original pew that we started. I in didn't this. realize yeah, that. Yeah, and. Um, Elizabeth Kinney, who was the executive director before me, who's been involved with the Lighthouse for a very, very long time, apparently she was keeping that pew in her basement, didn't know quite what the what use was we going to do. But with yeah, it. but isn't that wonderful? That's a fantastic mm-hmm. thing. And for those that don't know about the Lighthouse Bistro, uh, 202 yeah, West yeah, Street. Yeah. So it's across from it's the across old livery from building. The light box. Yeah, now, it's across next from to Nancy Hammond. Light box, right? A couple mm-hmm. doors up from Sailor. Correct. Wonderful place to do. And it is a. With a social program. It's called social, social Enterprise, yeah. Um, so the folks that are working there are or have recently experienced homelessness and... and Some of them currently live at the Lighthouse. Others are receiving some support of different kinds. Um, so everyone who works there has significant employment barriers. You know, we partner with so many other uh, agencies in the community. We're very fortunate. And so we have, you know, folks from some other places too, places of people who've come out of addiction programs, got some wonderful success stories, just like you mentioned. Um, some of our folks have come out of a situation of addiction, homelessness, living on the streets in Baltimore. And after working at the Bistro for a certain amount of time, we've got some success stories I can tell you about. A couple of women I know who've recently gotten married, they've been able to buy their own houses. They've moved on to other things. That's it's fantastic. really it's amazing. Yeah. We haven't even touched on the food, but it's uh, the, the food, food is the food is pretty kick right. kick butt too. Right, right, um, right. You know, I know I I enjoy my breakfast there. The hamburgers are great. Mm-hmm. Um when you first opened, breads. you were great on the flatbreads, mm-hmm. and then you sort of scaled back on them. Oh yeah, um, because apparently I think they uh, they said they over or underestimated the amount of heat that oh. the uh, that the oven would put out in the yeah. summer, and it was uh, <laughs> well, that's that's that has been a little bit of a perennial problem we're trying to fix. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny you hear the different engineering uh, snafus. I remember when over at the Annapolis Town Center, mm-hmm. the uh, there was a restaurant called um, Cadillac Ranch. Oh yeah, and it was right next to sort of twenty four seven fitness, and uh-huh. the engineers had exhausted the locker rooms up 
the roof from the 24-7 Fitness, yet that was right next to the intake for mm. oh Cal- my gosh. Cadillac Ranch. So it was, you know, the, the, sweaty, the sweaty socks gym. were going up <laughs> and coming right back down in, and you walk in there and go, why is, why is, it, why is so it always fun. smell like a barn here? Is this like a part of the theme? Or? I have to tell you, I'm like, you know, I'm an English major, so what do I know? But it surprises me that professional engineers come up with this stuff sometimes. <laughs> you can, uh, yeah, so, so Bistro, it's a part of a feeder program from our best training program. In addition to that, and we can talk about that a little more too, but I just wanted to cover all that we do at the Laos because we really, yeah. really do a lot. We have a program called Safe Harbor Resource Center, and that's located here at 10 Hudson Street. Um, that's a program we re- we had had since we opened our doors here at 10 Hudson. And up until a couple of years ago, we were serving about 150, 160 people a year through this program. And these are folks who are experiencing street homelessness at imminent risk of homelessness, and they could come in and get a shower and get their laundry. We really started investing some staff and started a new like I said, reinvigorated program. And within a year, we went from serving 150, 160 people to more than 600 unduplicated people to come in and, um, again, get case management services, get housing. So it's what we call it's prevention and diversion. So it's preventing people from becoming homeless and diverting them from coming into shelter whenever possible. So to do, just to, um, some folks will come to us and they're living in their car or sleeping on somebody else's couch to try to keep individuals, especially families, out of the situation of being in a shelter, which our shelter is beautiful. It's a great place to be. Sure. But, again, it's not ideal for a family. Um, right. And, 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 and that's the last place you know, anybody really wants to, to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it is diversion make, makes all. I mean, that, in anything, in any, in any social problem that we have, whether mm-hmm. it be you know the opioid epidemic, whether it be homelessness, whether you know, if we can divert this, you know, just even crime in general. You know, we look in some you know some of the crime ridden sections of different cities. You know, mm-hmm. if we can divert that from there. Right. Everybody's much better off. Right, right. So, last thing. <laughs> no, go. <laughs> well, a couple more That's things. That's why we're here. Okay. Um, so, we do, and, and then after this, I'm sure at some point you want to shift to like how pandemic has changed yeah. things, but I'm talking to you an overview of, of what we do. We also have a very strong pantry program and a clothing closet so people can come in and get clothing, accessories, things that they need, especially for job interviews or uh, whatever they might need. And then we also have a pantry. We used to do pantry bags, so we'd have volunteers make up these pantry bags. And I remember when I first came here, it was like pantry bag one, pantry bag two, and everybody got these two pantry bags and were able to come twice a month. We changed that because our core philosophy is to meet everyone where they are and to treat them with dignity and respect. And so part of that is to give them choices. So we were able to change our bagged pantry program to a client choice pantry. So folks are able to come in and we have the pantry arranged like a little market with non-perishable foods, perishable foods, and people were able to come in with a shopping bag, shop for themselves, and then go on their way. So I've got an aversion to yams. (laughs) Yams. So I'm I'm not, you know, with the old old thing, I would get a a can of yams in my... uh, Right. And 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 another idea for this is also it eliminates waste yeah right so because people are like i'm not going to eat this my family's not going to eat that right, so they right. get to choose things for themselves that's great so 
Um, in addition to the emergency housing, we have supportive transitional housing. So we've got a house right here at 10 Hudson Street. It's actually on Willow, the Willow side. It houses five single women. We've got four um, single male apartments over the bistro. And we have a duplex and another home in Annapolis, in downtown Annapolis, where we're able to house. And what are the transitional housing used for? I mean, the the dormitories, for lack of a better word, is that the correct word here yep, at yep. the mm-hmm. at the lighthouse? Mm-hmm. They are a ninety day. Yep, yep. So that's emergency shelter. Okay. And then we do our best to help people find housing again, employment, and just just hope to go on their journey and be successful. 83% of the people who leave our program leave with increased income, a job, and housing, and 41% of them are able to maintain that housing without additional subsidies. So we think that's a pretty good number. But the transitional folks are folks who've gone through our program and they just can receive some extra support. So a year or two years in a supportive setting before they uh, move on to another housing situation. Right, you just don't want to push somebody off into the deep end. I guess that you know makes sense. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Those are some pretty high statistics Mm -hmm. that that are you know able to get out there and be self-sustaining. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how big is the homelessness problem here in Anne Arundel County? Oh, people always ask me that question. The numbers, it's and it's a, it's a shifting number. It's. Ho- I, I mean, if you if you wanted to make a huge dent in it, let's put it a different way. How big of an addition would we need to make to to the lighthouse here? Well, to be honest with you, well, let me just say this: we, in an average year, we serve uh, more than two thousand people. So, and these are people at risk of homelessness, um, some folks who just need our help, like we had talked before about getting food to make ends meet so they can stay in their house. As far as I'm concerned, my focus uh, for the future and eradicating homelessness would not be to build more shelter beds, but would be to really invest in our diversion and prevention program. And that is through Safe Harbor, because again, keeping people out of that downward spiral and preventing that as much as possible, keeping people in their homes as much as possible so they don't have an eviction on their record, that's what's really going to make a difference in our community. Do you find that people have stigmas when they come into here? You know, I mean, mean, we've heard different stories about different homelessness situations. I mean, Mm -hmm. you've got some people that, you know, maybe it might be a veteran that is PTSD and he, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better word, likes to be homeless. This is what he's mm-hmm. chosen. I don't mm-hmm. want to go to a shelter. I don't want, mm-hmm. and and that might be pride. That could be, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't need help from anybody. And mm-hmm. if I have to live out on the street in a box, then that's what I'm going to do because I'm going to be self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. But do you find that people, when they are facing homelessness, I mean, is, is it difficult for them to be accepted in here? I mean, not, not your process, mm-hmm. but I mean, for them mm-hmm. to make that step to say, okay, kids, we need, it's getting real. I think, I mean, I think it's very sensitive of you to understand that. And you're absolutely right. There are cases, I mean, first of all, someone experiencing the trauma of homelessness for a short time, but when you think about the HUD definition of chronic homelessness is someone who's been experiencing homelessness for a year or more. And um, for those folks who've been living outside or living wherever, there's a lot of compounding factors. There can be paranoia, mental health issues, undiagnosed mental health issues, not um, taking their medications, whatever. And so what we do at the Lighthouse is we really, um, we don't try to force anyone to come inside or come into shelter. We work with them on their timeline. And that can take, that can take a long time. And some of our folks, as you said, choose to live 
in an encampment or someplace outside, and we're here to provide support and safety for them too. So they can, can come in, do their laundry, a take a shower. Mondays are very busy days here, so because they've been over the yeah. weekend, especially in the summer. But can I tell you one story? Sure. So this is a, a story of a young man who you would have seen if you've been up and down the street of West Street, somebody who looked like a homeless person, disheveled hair, and was, when he came to the lighthouse, wasn't able to really even meet your eye. At first, he he was feeling so paranoid and his um, suffering from his mental illness so much that he wouldn't come into our building. But little by little, it started with a cup of coffee. It started with a conversation. And he went through our BEST program and went back on his meds. And he is on his own. He lives in a home on his own. He's doing, he has a full-time job. He's just doing great. So, and so he was able to go from the streets through Safe Harbor to the Lighthouse residential program, through the BEST program, through the Bistro, and and now in real success. So, Is that an aspect of distrust of the system or something like that? Sometimes, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's like, okay, well, I don't know what the whole thing, are you indoctrinating, are you doing, you know, are you injecting me with whatever, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, and it, that could be a mental ish, health issue mm-hmm. where it's mm-hmm. a paranoia, but, mm-hmm. you know, again, I think, you know, how do I know you're trustworthy is might be something that goes through somebody's mind that yeah you know has been unfortunate in what their situation was and then you know you've got to earn that trust Mm -hmm. and i I would think that somebody that came here and wasn't ready to do it yet and just sort of you know dipping their toe in the pool so Mm -hmm. to speak you know they may come back and there may not be space for them right to to live i mean you're limited in the number of beds that you have Mm -hmm. but almost unlimited in the number of resources that you can somewhat direct them to absolutely absolutely so yes and again it's a testimony to the incredible staff here that they again meet people where they are and it's on their timeline how Um, big's your staff I have at the lighthouse about 22 full-time folks. Our staff probably closer to 40 in terms of the part-time people too. We have we're open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So we have um, some people who work shifts, right? Our resident assistant, so that enlarges the staff a little more. But right. Well, we are. Uh, I would say we're coming out of COVID, but we're still uh, in the middle of it. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're seeing a little bit of a surge right now, and mm-hmm. hopefully, it's something that's manageable. But mm-hmm. uh, last year had to be hell for you. Mm-hmm. Last year was. Last <laughs> I would say, yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you deal with this? I mean, this is not. Okay, when you think, you know, the governor was up there, well, congregate living. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think prisons, mm-hmm. I think dormitories in colleges, mm-hmm. I think nursing homes. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of a, a core group of people that are a body, okay? You know, you got all the people that live in this dorm, in this dorm, in this dorm. Mm-hmm. But you're a transient community. Mm-hmm. If you're saying people are in and out of here in 90 days, I mean, you went through what? 15 months of, of really bad COVID. So, I mean, you, how, how did you guys handle this? Well, fortunately, the the county responded very well. But there were times when I think all of us, anybody who was in a leadership position at any kind of agency, and especially a service agency like ourselves in a residential program, it was pretty overwhelming. But what we did right away when the governor did this, you know, announced the stay-at-home order, we realized that we couldn't safely keep people housed at the lighthouse in this in the congregate setting that we had. So uh, we were able to work with the county executive Pittman and the county staff, the Department of Social Services, Arundel House of Hope, to they opened an what's called an alternate shelter. 
So 50% of our residents went to this alternate shelter for the time during COVID. And for a couple of months, we had to shut down our safe harbor and just move all of our services outside. And that's truly meeting them where they are. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And um, all through the different kinds of weather that we had, I will say the bistro immediately had to shut down to the public, but like within 24 hours, answered the call. Although they weren't making food for us to eat when we came in and sat down, they started making food for the community, for the homeless community, for the lighthouse, right, you were, you individual were meals. Feed Anne Arundel. Feed Anne well, Arundel, and- yep. And the bistro continues to make um, more than 100 meals a day. Um, that they're distributing throughout the community for, to, at the alternative shelter and at the lighthouse. And, uh, to, yep, every day. Wow. It's a lot, right? And then our food insecure programs, I mean, it just went off the charts. At first, we had a drive through pantry. Now, again, trying to be more consistent with our client choice, we set up a, it's almost like a big bazaar, um, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at the Lighthouse. It starts at 10 o'clock, and people come in. Again, they can then choose groceries, non-perishable, perishable things, get things from the clothing closet. We're serving about 200 families a day through that program. In a normal year, the year uh FY20, we had distributed about 160,000 pounds of food to the community. Um, since the start of COVID, we've distributed more than 450,000 pounds of food. So oh it's, my word. it's pretty radical. That's that's an incredible thing. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that you know, COVID, if nothing else, it really sort of was a wake-up call for so many people. I mean, there's you know not quite to the point where we would need the services of the lighthouse, but mm, we're, mm-hmm. you know, you're looking at people that are, and I was talking to Monica Alvarado, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, you've got the food insecure and the housing insecure. And yep. it's, you know, uh, I know we've got this eviction moratorium mm-hmm. that's, you know, looming and ever or mm-hmm. looming to go away. But, mm-hmm. um, and, and there are people that are like, you know, Hey, I am behind on my mortgage. I'm behind on my rent. And, and that's just gotta be a real wake up call for somebody. We were really, and we remain concerned about, you know, the tsunami of need that's going to come to us when this moratorium comes to an end. Fortunately, we're in a place where obviously we have a very hot job market. So we're trying to help people get jobs as soon as possible. We adjusted our best program from a three-month program to a three-week program. We call it a job readiness program. We moved it entirely online. And so folks are able to take the classes that they need in terms of soft skills, uh, work on their resume. We help them find jobs, get connected with partners in the community they could work with, including the Bistro. So we've been able to serve 39% more people, even after COVID with this new program. And I think it might be something that we're going to continue with even after that's over. That's good. Yeah. And hopefully, hopefully the tsunami that everyone's predicting for the the housing um, won't come to fruition. I hope that uh, that's something that they're wrong about. I hope so too. And and there through the CARES Act, um, there's a significant amount of evic- eviction prevention funds available. The Lighthouse uh, participates in that program. It's run through ACDS, um, around the Community Development right. Services. And so since the start of the pandemic, we have distributed, it's pretty much a pass-through grant for us. We've distributed about $800,000 worth of eviction prevention to keep people in their homes. That's great. Yeah. That's, that, that is great. Well, I'll tell you, you know, I mean, there's so many, they say, talk about different good stories that are coming here. And mm. right now, as we're in the midst of COVID and trying to figure it out, I mean, and you just don't realize how close you and I mm. and everybody is to being in a situation where you would need a service like this. Absolutely. And I, I remember every Christmas morning, um, 
If I was a kid, I would absolutely hate it, but my kids somehow didn't. We come and prepare breakfast on Christmas morning. Mm. And, Thank you. And it, <laughs> Thank you no, for doing it's, that. It, it, is the, it is the best mm. time. I mean, we have a blast in the kitchen. Mm. We have a blast getting to know uh, the people that mm-hmm. are here. And, and it really is, uh, it makes everybody feel really, really good. Mm-hmm. And one year when my daughter was in high school, and, and this, okay, this is my kids when they were in high school. And then they're all flown and grown now at this point. My youngest is like 24. But, uh, you know, when they were in high school, they were like, hey, we are, we're going to the lighthouse, right, on Christmas? Oh, good. It's like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not like, oh, man, Great. I got to get up at six. Are you mm-hmm. kidding me? You know? Oh, I'm so glad um, to hear that. But one time my daughter was, you know, slinging the, the potatoes or whatever it was in the mm-hmm. kitchen that after we were done preparing. And I am, by the way, I am the sausage king. If anybody comes in there, do not <laughs> screw with me. Not a Chicago, okay? you, but you of just, Annapolis, apparently. Yep, yeah, I don't mess with me. Leave me be on my sausage in the back grill and that's, I'll be fine. Okay. Um, but she was slinging the, you know, whatever it was, the eggs or the potatoes. And she just happened to look up and there was a girl that was in her class. And there was just this look of, I don't know what, shock, horror, Mm. confusion or what between Mm -hmm. the two of them. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm sure that my daughter is trying to process going, why, why, why are you here? Yeah. And on the other side of the counter, she's probably processing like, oh my God, why are you here? Why Mm. am I seeing you? Mm -hmm. And it was, it was very interesting. We talked about it that Christmas morning and we talked about, you know, how you know, everybody is very close. You don't know what their situation is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could be temporary. It could be whatever. And, and people have to do what they have to do to get by. Survive, and this yeah. was a family. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, you know, I, I don't know their situation. I don't want to know their situation. I said, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter. And it really affected her. And I think it really determined her future career. She's now working as an investigator with North Carolina State for Child Protective Services mm-hmm. but in giving back. And I never would have thought that kid would have gone that route mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in a million years. Mm-hmm. But it really did affect her. I mean, it, it, I mean, weeks afterwards, it was like, hey, I, you know, she's checking up on her in school. Hey, how are you doing? And, yeah. and, and again, she said the first time it was very awkward at school. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, well, last time we saw each other, we were at the, mm-hmm. at the homeless shelter mm-hmm. on opposite sides of the yeah, counter yeah, yeah um, exactly. and and it was uh it hit you know we give out gifts there's gift cards and there's clothing and stuff that you know so the families mm-hmm. and the everybody has and, and you know that was also a conversation it was like you know as we're opening up gifts and thinking about how fortunate we are mm-hmm. that we're able to exchange gifts and you know i got a toy or something you know, that's inconsequential that's been thrown out in the trash for years and we were giving somebody a a coat to wear mm-hmm. to keep warm in the winter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was really, so, I mean, you're not only doing wonderful things for the community, but the people that are interacting with you, the volunteers and Absolutely. everything else as well. And we're so, so, so fortunate. I mean, we are so well supported by this community. And um, in a normal year, have over 2,000 volunteers who walk through our doors on a normal day before COVID. Is that 2,000 people? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's not, that's not ours. That's people. People. Yeah, amazing. it's amazing. People who come in to make and serve breakfast, who make and serve dinner. And we have volunteers, again, who've been coming back for over 30 years. I mean, and they love the interaction that they have with the residents here. And what I love about the bistro and opening the bistro is that our folks who are employed at the bistro get an opportunity to serve you, right? To serve those folks who are walking in as customers. Right. And when we um, first opened the bistro, a friend of mine, I said to a friend of mine, let's meet for lunch at the bistro. And she said, she she was kind of joking, but she was like, well, I don't want sandwich. Right. <laughs> and I said, no, it's like gourmet food is, you know, farm to table, basically. But I think 
one of the hardest things for people experiencing homelessness is the incredible isolation and the fact that they're really not seen by the community because it makes us uncomfortable oftentimes to pass somebody on the street that's in, in such profound need and we don't know oh, quite what to do. Absolutely does. So we don't want to meet their eye. We don't want them to ask us for anything because, you know, I don't really, I don't even know what what to do, how to help you. I mean, if I give you a dollar or, uh, you know, buy you a sandwich or something, I can help you. But this greater need is makes me very uncomfortable. So to come into a restaurant and to interact with people, oh my gosh, you're just like me. And we have a story, um, one of our waitresses, and she's no longer at the bistro because she's one of the ones I was telling you about, who now has her own home and a full-time job elsewhere. Early on, when we first opened, she served a man lunch. And at the end of it, when she gave him his bill, he said, I owe you an apology. And she said, what do you mean? And he said, when I first heard that a homeless shelter was opening a restaurant, I thought, I don't want to eat there. That's good. that's going to be right. gross. I don't want those. And he said, he said, I was so wrong. He said, the service was impeccable. The food was delicious. And I am so sorry for my prejudice. And thank you. So, you know, I think it's it's definitely a two-way street for us, right? We're all people. Yeah. Um, some people without houses, some people with houses. And, you know, people do say often, well, but for the grace of God, go I. I see that every day, that some sort of um, an event, um, whether it's a mental health issue, a health issue, medical bill that becomes insurmountable, we're seeing a lot more people over 65 and 70 experiencing homelessness. So divorce, I mean, there are all kinds of situations yeah, and just to help people get back on their feet is what there, we're there's for. There's so many curveballs that life will throw yeah. you um, throughout your period that could any number of ways, you know, whether, you know, hopefully you don't go down the path of drugs and, you know, mm. crime, you've got that, you've got you know, homelessness, you've got, uh, you know, it could just be an affordability thing. You know, hey, I want to have a huge family. I've got 10 kids. Mm-hmm. You know, God bless anybody that wants to do that. I had three. That was plenty. But, <laughs> Me too. You know, Me too. Just, you know, and, and all of a sudden it becomes untenable or, mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. How can people help you? People are so helpful to well, us. Well, first of all, you need what you need to do is you need to get a graduate of your best program to turn around and create some kind of like uh Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk type yeah, thing, that would be and great, then right? and then throw it all back to where sure, it all started. Sure, sure, <laughs> until well, that happens. Again, um, we receive incredible support from our community in all ways. So obviously, financial support. I mean, we need to keep this place going. We need it more than ever. And so the financial support is incredibly important. The food we have so many every single day. If you sat out front for a f- an hour or two, you'd see the folks who come in to bring us cases of water, food, clothing, all kinds of things to bring us meals to serve. So all of those ways, if you want to be specific, you can go on our website, annapolislighthouse.org, and we really keep that up to date with specific needs. Sometimes in the pantry, we're running low on things like peanut butter, or you know, we need men's pants for the clothing, okay. gift cards right. from Target um, or Giant, things that we can use to help families. So you do maintain a list. And the website, again, is annapolislighthouse.org. Correct. Yep. And for the food aspect of that, you want to go mm-hmm. to lighthousebistro.org. Org. Oh yeah, to go to the and restaurant. That's, that's got, sure, that's got the, and and they do catering too. I might they say they right? do so. catering. They do incredible catering. They are very busy right now because again, in addition to everything they're doing in terms of serving the public, they're making these hundred meals and they distribute them every day. That's that's just so, fantastic. Oh man, they're amazing and they're great. And we love the Maryland Food Bank and Maryland County Food right. Bank. I mean, we've been um, very much helped by them as well. Right. How are you guys set for socks? I saw Dan Ha's mm. video and Bombas gave that you a bunch awesome. of stuff. Yeah. Oh, those went. Those 
those went right away. Did they? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, we were able to distribute those to the community, and they were so grateful for those. We did a, a shoe drive recently, like a sneaker drive, Shoe Some Love for Your Neighbor. That was very successful. We're going to do it again. Right now, with the approach of school, we're doing a drive for backpacks and also uh, school uniforms. So you can look at that on our website as well. But the need is there, and we are so grateful for people's support. Another th- way that you can give if you want to is we have something called a housewarming program. So this is when someone moves out of shelter to their home. They need pots and pans. They need plates. They need sheets. They need, you know, bath mats. And so people either provide us with gift cards so folks can buy it for themselves. Or if you go down the hall with me after we chat, I can show you the office where we keep all this stuff and people are, can come in and choose, again, for themselves what they'd like to bring to their new home. So you're giving, giving them a head start on, you know, so they don't have to work hand to fist to, yeah, yeah. to, to, to just, get a frying pan. You know, I say to people who give to us, it's one thing when you give to somebody that you know or you care about, but to me, when you give to someone you'll never see, you'll never know, you'll probably never be thanked, I can tell you that it makes such a difference to a person receiving that gift to think someone out there cared about me. And I'm able to you know, walk into this apartment, this totally empty apartment, with things that are going to make my life cozier and better because some stranger cared about me. That's transformative. Giving without any kind of uh, expectation of acknowledgement, reward, mm. or anything like that is the, is the best kind of giving. Absolutely. Uh, to, it's it's you know, the you, purest, you, you, right? You do it, do it from your heart mm-hmm. um, because it's the right thing to do. And that's right. you know, pretty much the end of the, end of the conversation yeah. as far as I'm concerned. We, we have a couple right now. They are enthusiastic landscapers, and I can't imagine what their home looks like. But apparently, they finished it up so nicely that they come over once a week in this hot, hot weather. They were there on Monday, come for hours. And um, we do have landscaping that's done here, but they come in and do all the weeding and just make the place look beautiful. And I'm so, so grateful to them. And one of the things they said, and this is like 100% our philosophy, they said, we want people to know they're respected, they're loved. We care for this property because we care about you, and that's the message we send. So we want it to be clean and beautiful for you. It'd be very easy to be a warehouse. Yeah, and and unfortunately, many homeless shelters appear that and, way. And, and you're not. You're a home. Really, absolutely. You put the home in home in the homeless shelter. I, guess. I don't know. Maybe there's a new tag. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. We put the home in homelessness. I'm not sure about that one, uh, but we but put the heart in it. That's yeah, for sure. That's for and sure. And the hope. The hope is so important. Well, Joanne Matson, it's been a pleasure to talk to you again. AnnapolisLighthouse.org is where you want to go for all the information. You can find out needs as far as donating a, say, a product or goods or whatnot. You can find out about volunteering, and certainly you can find out about just making an outright donation. Mm-hmm. You can uh, write the check. Probably do a credit card. And, uh, yeah, you, you know, can do all. You find Venmo, all that PayPal, stuff. There, you know, whatever, absolutely. whatever it may work. Um, but you know, it's it's an issue that's not going away anytime soon. Mm-hmm. It's an issue that we're going to be grappling with. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, probably for the next couple of years, a little bit more significantly than mm-hmm. we have been in four, five, six years ago. And you guys are just doing such wonderful work that, the, and I, I love to hear that the community is supporting you back, but we, and we need to make sure that we're continuing to do that. And uh, annapolislighthouse.org is where you want to go. And after you're done there and you still got money to spend, you want to go to the lighthousebistro.org right. and, <laughs> and, 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 and eat there. And if you've not been to the Lighthouse Bistro, definitely go. It's a really cool little vibey place. Mm. Uh, it's convenient parking. You've got the Knighton Garage just a block away. You've got Park Place Garage, which is probably three blocks away. Mm-hmm. And if you want to venture back on some of the side streets, there's usually spaces around there. They're not 
the parking police are not too bad in that neighborhood anyhow. Mm-hmm. Um, the food is ab- absolutely wonderful, and the, and the service. Um, Try the chicken and waffles or the burgers. You know, the okay, that's a southern food. That's chicken and waffles <laughs> thing. I, it, it's just certain things don't mix, and that's one oh, of them. Oh, you, you don't like that? Well, no, a lot of people no, order that, that. That combination. Well, well, I know so uh, Doug Potash, a friend of mine, is a mm-hmm. uh, big breakfast fan there. He loves it mm-hmm. and, um, there all the time. So, And, I, and I've had their breakfast a couple times when I've gone there, although I'm on the other side of town. But it's always worth the drive, that's for Thank sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate all your time today. And thank you, John. Um, Thank you so much for all your support. This has been a bonus podcast from Ion Annapolis. Please visit us at ionannapolis.net. Follow us on Facebook at All Annapolis and on Twitter at Ion Annapolis. And if you haven't subscribed to the Daily News Brief podcast, go for it. And all of your local news will be delivered to your phone, tablet, or smart device by 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday. 